Good morning and welcome to week number seven of The Story. Aren't you glad that you're here today? Didn't you enjoy the worship so far? Let's give a hand to Joy for helping us. I was going to say, they helped us connect with God, because that's what a good worship team does. They don't perform for anybody but an audience of one. They're performing for God, right? And they help us connect with who? The same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, the battle begins as we continue in the story. Let's quickly recap where we left off last time. You remember, children of Israel have now left Egypt under Moses' leadership. They cross the Red Sea on dry land. First place they go to is Mount Sinai. There they receive the Ten Commandments. They build the Ark of the Covenant. They build the, the uh, tabernacle. Uh, they pack everything up, and now they start heading for Canaan's land. They get up to a place called Kadesh Barnea, and they take a dangerous wrong turn. Moses sends 12 spies into the land, one from each tribe. And he says, go spy out the land, see if it's everything God said it would be. And yes, they come back with a, a report that says, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Just like God said it would be. But you know what? There's giants in the land. Ten of them said this anyway. And we are but grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can take this land. But two, Joshua and Caleb said we can do it. And because those ten had created such fear and discouragement in the camp, they wanted to choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. That's how bad it was. And God says, because of your fear and unbelief, you will wander in the wilderness for some 40 years. And that's exactly what they do. It is now 40 years later. And Joshua, the general, is back at the Jordan River. And the first battle they're going to fight is the battle of what? Jericho. I understand there's a Jericho in our audience this morning. Maybe one of the praise team. Would you raise your hand? There's a Jericho in our audience today. Jericho's a tough city. It's a fortified city. What you don't know about Jericho is historians will say the walls of Jericho were so thick that you could put four chariots on top of this wall side by side and ride all the way around it together. That is in you're not getting in there without God's help. And that's exactly what's going to happen today. But you've got to show faith. You've got to show courage. You've got to show up to the battle. I mean, we know we're saved by grace through faith, right? As Christians, that is, that is the basis of, of our belief. We get that. But we don't often get is the discipleship that goes with our faith. Salvation is free. But discipleship is very, very costly. If you want God to open the windows of heaven in your life and pour out a blessing, there has got to be courageous, obedient faith in that area. You say, well, I want God to bless my marriage. But you don't do anything to support your marriage? It's not going to be blessed. If you're not following the biblical principles... You're breaking commandments, you're texting, you're emailing people you should not have any business emailing and beyond. You're not saying I love you once in a while, the Valentine's card, the candy, the gifts, the movie, the show, the date night. If you're not keeping that alive, 
You're violating the principle. It's not going to be blessed. It's kind of like the, the wife that said to her husband one time, Honey, do you still love me? And he says, Well, I told you I loved you the day I married you, and if I ever changed my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> that is a violation, folks. <laughs> Your marriage will not be blessed. You say, God bless my finances, and you're not tithing? You can't bless your finances, because you know what God says? The tithe belongs to me. Ten percent of whatever you make belongs to him first. And if you're not giving that, how can you're violating the principle. How can he bless your life? If you're running up credit card bills and you're living beyond your means, you're spending more than you make, that is a violation of Scripture. How can God bless your finances if you're doing everything wrong and you've not learned anything about delayed gratification and save up to buy whatever that is that you really feel like you need? God bless my health. And yet, you never work out, you don't eat properly, you don't get enough sleep. How's God going to... College students never get enough sleep. <laughs> They're always on the go. But you know what? There comes a time when your body will break down. And see, God is not like some enabling parents that we have here on earth that will let their kids violate all the rules of the house and run rampant and run wild and reward them anyway. God is not an enabler. He will not do that. If you want God's blessing, you must follow God's principle. Joshua, if you want to take Jericho, you've got to show up to the battlefield. Do you get it? Does it make sense? All right. These are violations that we don't understand. We, now, you're not going to lose your salvation, but courageous obedience comes before the blessing. Now, I've got three important questions to ask you this morning. This won't take long, but I've got three. Number one. Are you courageous? If courageous obedience is required for the blessing to come, my question to you this morning is, are you courageous? You know what the most often repeated commandment is in the Bible? Fear not. Fear not. You know what fear is? Fear is disobedience. Because when you fear, what you're saying is, God, you cannot be trusted with my life. You cannot be trusted with my finances. You know, we'll trust God with our soul, our eternal, ever-living, never-dying soul, but we won't trust Him with our finances. It's like, God, keep your hand off my left hip pocket. I will take care of that. If we'll trust Him with our soul, but not our wealth, that's disobedience. But God, I'm fearful. I've never tithed before. I've never given and sacrificially before. What if I run out of money? You think God's not going to take care of those that are following the principles of the Bible? That's not my Bible. There was a woman in the Old Testament. She was a widow. And she was down to one little meal. She had a son. They were going to eat that last meal, and they were going to die. That was it. There was a famine in the land. There was nothing left. Knock, knock, knock. There's a preacher at the door. The preacher says, got any food to eat? Yeah, just one meal for me and my son. That's all we got. Well, would you feed me first and then take care of yourselves? What would you do? 
You say, oh, well, God didn't expect that widow to give up her last meal. Oh, really? God sent Elijah to that house. Now, she had a choice to make. Am I going to follow God, or am I going to obey the flesh? You know what? She followed God, and she fed the preacher first. And then she fed her son and herself. And you know what happened the next morning when she went back into the cupboard and looked around? Hey, wait a second. I thought we ate that meal yesterday. And every day until the famine ended, what did God do? He blessed that widow. Isn't that wonderful? God provides for those that don't violate the principle. Well, what does it take? Courageous obedience. Joshua, you want to take Jericho? Courageous obedience. You better show up to the battle. See, we want the blessing, we just don't want the battle, right? Isn't that us? Why? We're fearful. Why do you think the number one commandment in the Bible is fear not? Because God knows us. 365 fear nots in the Bible. That's one for every day of the year. I get the idea that God doesn't want his kids to be afraid. He wants us to learn to trust him. But haven't you been noticing a theme as we've been going through these narratives each week? Faith, 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 blessing. It always takes faith before the blessing. Those two things go together. Now, just before Joshua goes into Jericho and takes the promised land, he, he has an encounter with a man. This, this is a strange scene. I, I was talking to some people this morning about this scene, and they go, well, I don't, I don't remember reading that. I did my reading this week, but I don't remember Joshua encountering a man before going into the battle. Well, he did. Watch this. And Joshua 15, verse 13. Now when Joshua was near where? Jericho. He looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. This guy's ready for battle. This guy is... Who is this guy? We're going to talk about that in a moment. And Joshua went up to him. You see those two words, went up? I don't know how to pronounce them in the Hebrew, but I know what... The Hebrew means by that. Our modern day equivalent would be, he got in his face. He went up to him. Now Joshua's no spring chicken anymore, right? Because how long, he, he was one of the 12 spies sent to spy out the land 40 years earlier. How old was he then? I'm thinking, well, he had to be above 20 because he says no one 20 and older will go in except for Joshua and Caleb. So he may be 65, 80 years old now. I mean, he's up there in years, but he's still full of what? Faith. What has he just heard the Lord tell him? Be strong and very courageous. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And he goes up to this guy with a sword, not afraid at all, and he has a question to ask. Are you for us or for our enemies? I love his courage. I'm not good at art or sketching. Here's one famous sketch of this encounter. Kind of hard to see, but see that man with that sword? That's Joshua coming at him. Are you for us or you against us? I wish Joshua would have looked a little bit older than that. He looks kind of young, doesn't he? No, he's he's gray beard, all right? (laughs) You know, and he's gray hair. And what hadn't turned gray had probably turned loose by this time, all right? And so, but he's still full of faith. The Lord says, be strong and courageous. And he wants to know, fella, are you for us or are you against us? He doesn't know who this is yet. So cut him some slack. We're going to find out who this man is. You remember reading about this this past week? 
I love his courage. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 7. It's there on the screen, there in your outline. You may have your Bible open to it. He who overcomes will inherit all this. What are you talking about? There's a blessing for people that overcome? What's it take to overcome? Courage. But you know what? There's going to be a group of people that will never, ever overcome and will never, ever come to Jesus. Now, I'm going to be his God. I'm going to be, you're going to be my son. But watch out. Here are those folks that will never come to the Lord. But the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those immoral sexual perverts, they ain't going to make it into the kingdom of God, right? And those who practice the magical arts, divination and the occult and witchcraft, they ain't going to make it. The idolaters and all liars, their place is going to be in the lake of fire. But I left one out intentionally, folks. Go back and read this in Revelation chapter 22 for yourself. Or actually, 21 for yourself. You know what's on the first of the list? Go ahead and show them, Kaysen. Go back and read it for yourself. Before murderer, adulterer, the occult, witchcraft, all that stuff, liars, the first one on the list is the cowardly. That kind of hits home, doesn't it? Why? Why won't they make it? Because Christianity is not for wimps. If you're going to follow Christ, it's going to cost you something. And the world doesn't want to pay the price. The world doesn't want to follow God. They want to follow They want to take the path of least resistance. They'd rather flow downstream than row upstream. And that's why Christianity is often referred to as the road less traveled. Because only those with courage take that road. And that's the road that he wants every single one of us to carry. Following Jesus is not for the faint-hearted. It is difficult. It is costly. And not in every case. Actually, rarely does God ever call upon one to give his life. But if he does call upon you to give your life, he says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of righteousness. But you know what? God rarely calls people to die for him. He does from time to time. But he calls every single one of us to live for him. I can't tell you how many Christians have told me, Oh, I'll die for Christ. I'll die for Christ. Well, are you living for Christ today? Are you serving? Are you working? Are you... Are you willing to do this? Are you willing? Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, man, this is just too hard. I mean, you know, I don't want to see you more than every six months, Bruce. I mean, come on. I go to church twice a year. What do you want from me? But I'll die for Christ. How about living for him? Ever not feel like getting up and going to church, but then when you did, you were glad you did? Yeah, we all go through it. Courage. See, by the cowardly aren't going to make it. No courage. And that's just a little thing. Those of you that are sacrificing and tithing your income, courage, get it? Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about courage. You know, there's a difference between the two. First of all, let's take a look at faith. Faith is really believing God's promises 
when you can't see the future. Do we know anybody, have we been reading any stories about that this past uh, seven weeks as we've gone through the narratives of the Bible? How about a guy named Abraham, the father of the faithful? God says, Abram, get, get out of here. Leave your father, mother, your kindred. Leave this land because there's a bunch of idol worshipers. Go to a land that I'm going to show you. It's Canaan's land. It's a, long, it's a long journey. He doesn't even know where he's going, doesn't know how long it's going to take, and when he's going to get there. God just says, head out of town. I'll tell you when you're there. That's faith. Now, courage is a little different. Courage is doing what is right when it may cost you something. All right, Joshua, you want to take... The, the promised land, all right, show up to the battle of Jericho. Now I'll be there. I'm going to show up too. See, God always goes before. But you know what? There's a chance, Joshua, that in that battle you might what? Die. Every soldier going into battle, there's no guarantee is coming home. It may cost you something. What is the battle? Yeah, well, man, I'll, I'll fight for the Lord. I'm ready to do battle with Satan and the enemy. Well, what's our battlefield? I'll tell you what it is. And it's going to be very costly to go against. But I'm about to tell you, our battlefield is the culture in which we live in. Because that culture wants to woo us and lure us in. And we are not of this world, are we? We come from another culture. A heavenly culture, an upper story culture, if you will. And so when the world says marriage can be X, Y, and Z, and just about anything we want it to be, and they call it marriage, guess what? We've got to raise our hands and say, well, excuse me, but I serve a God, and I don't tell God what to believe. He tells me what to believe. And my God says that marriage is between a man and a woman. Ooh, you try saying that today. You will be found very, very unpopular. You will be called names. You might even be excluded from certain groups that you used to associate with. They no longer want you in. There's a cost. It may cost you. If you're going to fight the battle and show up for the battle. You know what? If you don't want that baby, just have an abortion. Stop that beating heart. Every abortion does. And we say, you know what? i got a God. Sixth commandment. I should not murder. And every abortion stops a beating, beating heart. We believe in the sanctity of life. You try that in some circles. You know, years ago, you used to say, you know what? I don't believe in abortion. Most of society would say, yeah, neither do I. Yeah, of course. You know, even 10 years ago, you say, I think marriage should be between one man and one woman. You know what most of the people in the society would say? Well, duh, of course. Do you see in just the last few years how our culture is going the wrong way? Who's going to show up the battle with me? You say, oh, I'll fight for Jesus. Okay. may cost you something. Abraham believed. Joshua believed. Here's one. Young people hate it when I talk about this. Because I, I admit, your world's harder than my world. Our world's gone downhill so much, and you've been affected by your world a whole lot more in your younger years 
Doesn't affect me because I'm older in life. But I'm sort of glad I didn't grow up in this generation because this generation has no problem with a boyfriend and a girlfriend sleeping together before marriage. It is the normal to move in together before you even marry. That's the norm today. As a matter of fact, if, if, you're, if you make a statement like, I am waiting for the marriage bed before my wife and I, my husband and I, have sexual relationships... In this battle, you know what they're going to say? Man, what a fool you are. You will be made fun of. It will cost you something. What I'm trying to say is, when everybody else abandons God, if you're still there, then you have courage. Amen? Makes sense, doesn't it? How do you know if you have courage? It is costing you something. If you're going through life and saying, man, it's not costing me anything. I'm just doing you know, everything that I want to do with... Anytime I want to do it, and yeah, I'm a Christian. You might want to reconsider that. Number two, have you met the real Jesus? Here's why I say you might want to reconsider that. Because the real Jesus doesn't buy your theology. You know, we got a generation, a younger generation of fence sinners, fence sitters, that want to be so open hearted. And just say, Jesus is all love, 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 just puts up with anything. Like, you know, just whatever you say, whatever you want to do, just go ahead. And Jesus, he, that's why he died for us. So eat, drink, and be merry. Now, the generation before, I think they were too strict. I, I think we, we, we've come out of a generation that was hellfire and damnation, and there wasn't room for grace. I'm glad we're not there either. But you better know who. The real Jesus is. He's not some fluffy, stuffy, super Santa Claus in the sky that always is bringing you gifts. We sometimes treat Jesus as a vending machine in the sky where we put in a prayer and then we pull out whatever we want for and expect it to happen just like that. Come on, Jesus! You better know who the real Jesus is because that's not the Jesus you read about in the Bible. Who is this real Jesus? Are you for us or for our enemies, Joshua asked. Now, on the screen it says neither, right? The Hebrew, and even the King James, hey, on this one, has got it right. No. It doesn't say neither. It really says no. Well, what's going on here? Who is this guy? Joshua, I love your courage. But you better know who you're talking to here. Let's read on. He replied, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Who's the commander? Joshua or this guy? This guy. Then Joshua fell down to the ground in reverence. That's the word for worship. And he asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? Who's worshiping you? Who? Is the man worshiping Joshua or is Joshua worshiping the man? Who does Joshua call Lord? Himself or the man? What does Joshua call himself? Servant of who? The man. Who is this man? It's a strange encounter, isn't it? Sword drawn, very much in control, ready, ready for battle for anyone that's not on his side. 
He receives worship. He speaks as if he were God. I know it's not an angel because in Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9, you'll find that, that John, the revelator, had an encounter with an angel, and he fell down and began to worship the angel. And you remember what the angel said? Don't you dare do that. You get up right now. I'm a created being. You're a created being. We don't worship anyone but the uncreated, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Only one gets worship, God. Here, this man receives worship. Doesn't tell Joshua to get up. Joshua's getting who this guy is. Often in the Old Testament, you'll read about God having encounters with men. Sometimes referred to as the angel of the Lord. Who is this angel of the Lord? Not always, but sometimes. He appears from time to time. It is the incarnate Jesus Christ. You say, well, wait a second. I, don't thought we, I didn't think we read about him until we get to Matthew. Now, that's when Jesus is born. No, that's the incarnation as a baby, but he appeared many times in the Old Testament, a number of times anyway. How about, oh, Jacob, before he crossed that river to meet Esau? He has a strange encounter with a man, doesn't he? And he, he wrestles with this man all night long until he receives a blessing. And finally, this man gives him a little hip check, and he walks away limping. He says, okay, no more you are going to be called Jacob. No more are you going to be this sneaky conniver, grabber at the heel. I'm changing your name to Israel. Now act like it. And every day he walked with that limp. He remembered that encounter with who? God. How about Job, our friend Job? God came to him in the form of what? A whirlwind. And Job had a bunch of questions for God because he didn't think God was looking or God was around or that God was in control. And he says, I want to debate God. And God says, I'm not afraid to debate. Shows up in a whirlwind and says, you can ask me anything you want to ask me. Because for like 30 chapters, Job had been asking, why, 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 why? God says, okay, you ask a, you, I'll let you ask your question. Let me answer, ask mine first. And God, for three chapters, asked him a bunch of questions. And Job didn't have one single answer. It's okay, Job, ask me anything you want. Job goes... I've said too much already. When you have an encounter with God, you walk away limping. You walk away worshiping. You walk away in reverence and respect. Have you met the real Jesus? You don't walk away saying, Oh, Jesus, he'll put up with anything. Grace, grace, grace. Ooh, you don't know the real Jesus, if that is your attitude. Oh, we believe in grace. Salvation is by grace through faith. Don't get, any, don't get me wrong here. Salvation is free, but discipleship is costly if you're going to be a true follower. Joshua says, are you for us or for enemies? No. And really what the angel of the Lord, what Jesus is saying is, Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. Jesus in the New Testament put it like this in Luke eleven twenty three: He who is not with me is what? Against me. And so here's his point. You don't ask the real Jesus if, if he is for you. He asks you, are you for me? Get it? Good. You must decide who the real commander is. You or God. Don't be a fence sitter. Number three. Are you, number one, are you courageous? Number two, have you met the real Jesus? Number three, do you believe that all things are possible? Joshua, do you believe the walls of Jericho can come tumbling down? 
Do you believe that, Joshua? You're going to need some belief. You're going to need some courage. You've got to show up to the battle. You're going to need some belief. And you remember the story. Here's the battle plan. I want you to get the, the priest out in front carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Give him some ram's horns. And I want you to march around those walls once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, seven times. Don't you know when that seventh day came? Everybody in the wall, inside the wall city, were going, uh-oh, this can't be good. This is very different from the first six. And on the seventh day, blow those horns. And when you blow those horns, I want everybody in the church to shout. What are they shouting? Praises to who? God Almighty. But they had to have courage. They had to have faith. They had to show up on the battlefield to get the blessing. And the walls came down when they did exactly what God told them to do. When you obey, you get blessing. That's the whole point. Now, i got a question for you. Do you believe that your marriage is too far gone? Do you believe that your finances are too far gone? Do you believe that your kids are too far gone? There's a wall built up between you and them that's too tall to come tumbling down. Or do you believe that our God still does miracles today? And that our God, all things are possible through Him who has overcome Here's the lower story application, and we'll close with this. I didn't even mean to preach this long. Courageous obedience always precedes the miraculous. One more picture, one more story, and we'll close. Joshua is now 110 years old, old man. He's got one parting sermon that he's going to leave with Israel. And he gathers all the tribes together one more time. And you know what he does? His final speech, he reads everything that Moses had ever written. And at the end of it, he says, you've got to decide today who you're going to follow. But I like his closing statement. And we're going to close together by stating this together. Do you see it there? If you agree with Joshua, would you read these words with me? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to be courageous sons and daughters of you. You are the one that's in control. We we acknowledge you are the commander-in-chief, not us. Help us to believe that all things are possible. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. We sing an invitation song for those that want to respond. I know of one today that has said he wants to give his life to Christ fully and devote himself to Christ and put him on in baptism. We're going to do that here in just a moment. Let's give our praise team a moment to get into place. They're going to sing a song, and if you're here today and you would also like to do the same, we stand ready to meet that need. And um, we would offer that same invitation to you. But Ryan, I want you to come on down right now, and others may want to follow his faith and his courage. I'm going to tell Ryan's story, and then we're going to baptize him into Christ. But before we do that, we're going to sing another song.